Well, uh, once again, happy Father's Day, and uh, we are going to uh, uh, have a Father's Day message today, and it's really, this is going to pertain to everyone, uh, mothers, fathers, uh, husbands, wives, um, but I'm really going to focus it at the fathers uh, today with it being Father's Day because men, as most of you know, God has commissioned us to be the spiritual leaders in our home. We are to be the priests in our home, which means that in everything, we should be taking the lead. We should be setting the tone. We should be taking the lead. And uh, men, I don't know about you, but that's that's a heavy weight to bear. I bear that very heavily in my family to know that I'll stand before God in the way that I treated my wife and in the way that I treated my kids and raised my kids and uh, in the, the spiritual uh, health of my home. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We started last week on uh, God Bless Our Home, and uh, this week we're going to talk about, uh, particularly to fathers, being the peacemaker in your home. Now, men, many times uh, we may take the uh, see it the opposite way, that our job is to be the enforcer of our home. It's to uh, maintain order. But I would say this, that God's command to us really, even more than just maintaining order in our home, should be to uh, be the peacemakers uh, in our family. And uh, that may sometimes mean doing things that may seem very uh, unmanly. That may mean uh, admitting when you're wrong or saying you're sorry. And uh, one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older, and my kids are all grown now, but I think one of the things I learned raising my kids was don't be afraid to let your kids uh to let them know when you make a mistake, when you're wrong, admit you're wrong. Uh, you know, I think many times we don't want to show our kids our weaknesses. We don't want to show our kids uh, that maybe we make mistakes as a parent too. But uh, listen, uh, kids, all parents make mistakes. We're all just learning as we go. And I probably, in my raising my kids, did more wrong than I did right. So I'm not here preaching at you. I'm here preaching with you and saying, hey, I've I didn't do everything right either, but it is our job to try and do everything that we can within our power uh, to raise up godly young men and women. That's what God commissioned. That's what God gives his children for. They are a blessing from the Lord, and we want to raise them to be godly young men and women. Um, so uh, in God Bless Our Home, you know, I, I think today even many Christian homes, if I were to ask that question, uh, you know, would you say that your home is blessed I'm afraid even many Christian homes would say, no, it doesn't really seem like it's blessed. It seems like there's a lot of chaos, a lot of conflict. We all just seem like we're running around 100 miles an hour and passing each other and uh, just not really getting it right. And uh, But I do want to encourage you, there is no, let me say this right at the beginning, there's no such thing as a perfect home, all right? No such thing as a perfect home. You may think, well, what about the preacher's home? No, I can guarantee you the preacher's home is not a perfect home, and uh, the preacher is uh, just as much a, a sinner saved by grace as you are, and so um, just trying to trying to always get it right is the thing. Um, many people would say, I believe, that their homes were not characterized by being blessed, but they're more characterized by conflict and not peace, all right? Uh, look at this uh, first slide here. All families have some dysfunction. Does that make you feel good? All families have some dysfunction. Uh, now, many people may think, well, that's good to hear. I thought my family was the only family that had dysfunction. So every family has some dysfunction. It's going to have some conflict in there. Don't feel bad about that. Understand 
that uh, that is a normal part of families. Uh, in fact, you would probably say today dysfunction probably describes our families uh, more than anything. Uh, again, there's no such thing as a perfect family. There will always be some conflict in the home, which there again is why it's so important for us to be peacemakers in our home, all right? Uh, maybe this uh, characterizes you, and I'm going to try to, again, kind of, we're focusing on fathers today, but I'm going to try to kind of uh, hit where everybody is, all right? Maybe as a parent, you feel like, well, my kids are always fighting. My kids don't ever seem to get along. There always seems to be conflict in our house between the kids and the siblings. And hey, listen, I was there. I raised three kids, and when they were all little, there were some days where it seemed like all we were doing was chasing kids and taking them off of one another and trying to keep them off of each other, all right? So you may that may be you. Maybe you've got young kids, and they're always fighting and always tussling, and you never seem like you have any peace in your home. Uh, maybe you're a teenager at home, and maybe you feel this way, as most teenagers do. My parents are too controlling. My parents want to, you know, want to give me so many rules, and they want to do so many things, and they want to, uh, you know, control. My parents are maybe what you call the, the word now is helicopter parents. They're always hovering around. And so maybe as a teenager, you're frustrated with your parents. You feel like your parents put too many uh, rules too many and they're too controlling in you. Uh, maybe you're married uh, and you're in a blended family. Listen, uh, family's hard enough when it's not blended, but then you take blended families and you take stepmoms, stepdads, stepkids, and that adds a whole nother dynamic to it, especially depending on how old the kids are, what the situation is with the ex. There are just so many variables in there, and maybe you just feel like I am trying to raise my kids. Uh, with my, you know, with my new partner, I'm trying to uh, raise my kids with my ex, uh, and it just feels like we're just not making any progress. It just feels like we're all over the place. All right, uh, maybe you are an adult and you're raising your own kids, and you struggle being a parent because maybe you had a bad relationship with one of your parents. Maybe you had, uh, and as an adult. Maybe something happened with mom or dad in your home years ago, and you're still harboring bitterness, and you still can't really forgive mom or dad. And so there's a broken relationship, even as a grown person, and now you've got your own family, there's a brokenness uh, in, your, uh, in your family from when you were younger, and you still are, there's not uh, a relationship there. And uh, your kids maybe don't know their grandparents because of that broken relationship. And how do, we, how do we get past that? How do we get past when it seems like something's happened in our family that's just unforgivable and it doesn't seem like we can forgive? And it's, it's caused a broken relationship. And how do we bring healing to that? We're going to address all that today. Uh, all of these messages on God Bless Our Home are taken from the Beatitudes, which was a sermon that Jesus preached. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, where he was preaching the Beatitudes. And this is going to be our main verse for today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And it says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. All right. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. All right. Now, I want to give you a little, a little history here. Not everybody's into history or background, but uh, I think you'll find this helpful. Um, the word for peacemakers there is taken from the Hebrew, Hebrew word shalom. 
And shalom is an interesting word. It's a Hebrew word that means this. It doesn't just mean the absence of trouble. It, it literally means peace, but not just the absence of trouble, but it means seeking the highest good for somebody. All right? So literally what this scripture is saying is, is that we're not, when I say peace, I'm not just talking about no trouble in your home. I'm talking about seeking the highest good for every member of your family, all right? And so uh, that, that's really, really good stuff. Um, this statement uh, by Jesus would have been shocking in his day and in his culture because pretty much in Jewish culture of that day, uh, you may have heard this statement before, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was the teaching in Jewish culture was, uh, you know, you pay back with whatever was rendered to you. So uh, in other words, if somebody comes and hits you in the eye, you hit them in the eye back. Somebody comes, knocks your tooth out, you go and you knock their tooth out. It was pretty much uh, just uh, uh, equal pay, if you will, in punishment. So that was kind of the Jewish culture and the Jewish teaching. And now Jesus shows up, and he's teaching something totally different. Uh, and he says that, uh, blessed are you uh, to seek peace, all right? And then Jesus even went on and talked about how if somebody slaps you on the cheek, Turn the other cheek to them, all right? If somebody comes and they steal your, uh, your outer coat, give them your, your robe also, all right? So Jesus was pretty much coming and, again, rocking the religious world. Uh, he was giving a teaching that was, would have totally uh, just shocked them, all right? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, here, we still have some of this attitude today, don't we? Many people's attitude is, well, Mark, you don't know my situation. You don't know my life. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be offended. Everything is about people's rights today. We're all entitled and we want our rights. All right. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be offended. I have a right to be hurt. I have a, a right, uh, to put myself first, um, and listen, Jesus was teaching the exact opposite um, because pretty much in Jesus' teaching, it was saying this, to put yourself first is to put peace last. If you're always entitled and you think, well, it's all about me, and this is the problem many times in people's relationships, there are broken relationships, and somebody did something to you, somebody offended you, somebody hurt you, and you say, well, Mark, you don't know what they did to me. Listen, it's always more offensive because it happened to you. That makes it very personal. And I get it. And I'm not trying to make excuses for people, but what Jesus is saying is you must seek peace. No matter what that person has done to you, no matter how unforgivable it seems, because unforgiveness is a bitterness that is a cancer in your heart. It's not a cancer in the other person's heart. It becomes a bitterness and a cancer in your own heart. And because we harbor that bitterness and we can't seem to forgive that person, it just eats away at the inside of us. And it will eat away our happiness, our joy. It will eat away the, the peace in our homes. It will eat away the peace in our relationships. And so uh, I've preached this message before about making amends. And uh, there's a lot of that in what I'm teaching today. Uh, whatever's happened in your past, uh, listen, relationships are the most important thing. And if there is a bitterness and there's a broken relationship, do everything within your power to try and mend those relationships, all right? Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's go specifically. Next slide is specifically to fathers. Fathers are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Now, you may say, well, what is the difference between that? Uh, they sound very similar, uh, but uh, peacekeepers and peacemakers are two different things. Number one, peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace, all right? So 
Remember, we're called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Number one, peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. All right? So why that is not healthy. Uh, in other words, if you're just a peacekeeper, you're just trying to keep everything calm in your home. Now, listen, as men, I can only speak to myself, uh, and I think most men are this way. A lot of men are peacekeepers. We just want everybody in the house to get along. We want everybody to, we want peace in the home. I want to be able to go home and I want to be able to kick back at my lazy boy. And I just want some peace. Amen. That's most men. That's, that's kind of the way men are wired. All right. We don't want all that yelling. We don't want all the drama. We just want some peace. But many times men, what we'll do wrong in this situation is just to keep the peace. We will avoid the conflict instead of addressing the issue. All right. So we'll avoid the conflict to keep the peace. Bad mistake. How do you know, Mark? Because I've made the mistake many times my own self. All right. Uh, I just want everybody to be quiet. So we just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen. And uh, we'll just let it lay under there and fester. All right. And that's what happens a lot of time. People just keep sweeping stuff under, sweeping stuff under, and you keep pushing anger and bitterness down. What happens one day that fuse, it's going to get up here and it's just going to, the top's going to come off and it's going to explode. All right. So you're really not gaining anything. You're gaining momentary peace, uh, but it's going to blow up on you. It's going to blow up in your face at some point. All right. So number two, go to the next slide there. Uh, Peacemakers embrace conflict to make peace. So what is the difference here? The difference is that a, between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker is a peacemaker is going to recognize, okay, there's an issue here. There's a conflict here. Maybe it's between himself and his wife. Maybe it's between the children in the home. Maybe it's between the children and mom, or maybe it's between the children and dad. Whatever it is, the peacemakers understand, all right, there's an issue here. There's a conflict. We don't need to avoid it. And in fact, the longer we avoid it, um, the worse it's going to be. Now, let me make it an, an admission of guilt here to you. This is me. This is me. I don't like conflict. I don't know how you are. I'm wired. I don't like conflict. And at many times, I will do everything in my power to avoid conflict. And I just keep pushing it away. I keep burying it in the sand. I keep pretending like it's not going to happen. And guess what? The longer that I ignore it, the longer I ignore the problem, and the longer I ignore the issue, the worse it's going to be when it finally comes up. All right. So one thing I've learned, uh, there's not a lot of great things about getting older, but one of them is you get a little bit wiser. Amen. And so uh, as I've gotten a little bit wiser, I've realized whenever you see a problem, whenever you see an issue or you see a conflict, whether it be in church, whether it be in my family, whether it be between people I work with, whatever the case, it's best to just, as Barney Fife used to say, now I'm really dating myself, nip it in the bud. If you used to watch Andy Griffith's show, uh, Barney, that was one of his sayings, nip it in the bud. You've got to just, when the problem arises, it's best to just address the issue as quickly as possibly, all right? Now, don't, here's what I'm not saying. Don't address it in your anger, all right? If this conflict involves you, step back, take a minute to cool off. You never need to do anything in your anger. That's a bad mistake. Once again, how do you know that, Mark? I've done it myself. Uh, always take time to cool off and come back and address the issue after you've had time to cool off, all right? But don't ignore the conflict. Embrace the conflict. And what is the intention? The intention is we're going to get the issue out in the open. We're going to embrace the conflict. And the whole goal is what? To make peace, all right? To once again bring peace to the home, all right? 
Uh, and this goes back to our original uh, uh, statement, which was from last week. It's going to be through all these uh, sermons. We are not just a Christian home. We are a Christ-centered home, all right? And what is, what's the difference in that? Well, 80% of Americans today would call themselves Christians. Now, I ask you this question. Uh, do 80% act like Christians? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. In fact, a very small percentage. So the reason that we have to clarify it like this is, unfortunately, the word Christian doesn't carry the same weight and the same power it used to. Uh, a lot of people call themselves Christians, but there is no fruit in their life. There's nothing to say, I'm a, I'm a Christian, all right? So we have to take it even further than just using the word Christian and say, don't just be a Christian home, but be a Christ-centered home. Christ is going to be at the center of our home. He's going to be at the center of every conversation. He's going to be at the center of every decision we make. So it's not just enough to just call yourself Christian. We could go out here. We're in the Bible Belt of East Texas here. Uh, I know y'all are in the Philippines. Uh, it's probably similar somewhat, but in the Bible Belt of East Texas, we could go out here and knock on doors, and probably most everybody out here, if we ask them, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Most of them would say yes. Are very many of them have any fruit in their life that would that would give any indication of that, any evidence of that? No, no. So it's a word that is used a lot around here. Unfortunately, it doesn't carry a lot of weight. Uh, so that's why we want to say, don't just call yourself a Christian. Uh, listen, your kids are smart enough to know, even your children know, if you say one thing and do another thing, you're a hypocrite, all right? Even children, even little bitty kids learn that early on, all right? Uh, and we're bad about that as parents, aren't we? We're bad about that as adults. Now, you, you do as I say, don't do as I do. You know, I mentioned last week about the parent who's smoking while lecturing their kids on smoking, you know, my dad was a smoker. How do I know this conversation? My dad had this conversation. Now, you kids, smoking's bad for you. I don't want to see y'all smoking, all right? What does that say to a kid? It's, it's my dad is saying one thing, but he's doing another thing. And it's a whole lot more caught than taught. I watch my dad sucking those cigarettes, and I say, ooh, those look good. As soon as I get a chance, I'm going to try one of those, all right? Uh, because I, I heard what he was saying but I watched what he was doing a whole lot more than that. And I thought, man, that makes dad look cool. Uh, they sure look like they taste good. Now I came to find out that they gave me headaches and made me cough a lot. That's all it did for me. Amen. Uh, but, you know, we, we lecture our kids and your kids are going to catch a lot more and watch your life a lot more than they are hearing you. All right. Uh, that's not to say we're not supposed to try to talk to our kids, uh, but they're watching you a lot more than they're, they're hearing you. All right. Um, so also understand this, a Christ-centered home isn't necessarily a conflict-free family. A Christ-centered home simply means we see the conflict, we're going to deal with the conflict, and we're going to seek peace, all right? All right, let's go to some other scripture. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18, and then we're going to jump to verse 21. And it says this, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much now I want you to really key in on this verse. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, that's the key words there, live peaceably with all men. Then we're going to skip to verse 21, and it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right? So, in other words, how do you turn your home into a peaceful place? You've got to see the enemy, you've got to address the enemy. 
and you've got to confront the enemy right at the point when it happens. All right. If the if uh, if somebody were to break in your home, you're not going to say, "Hey, just wait a minute." Let me collect my thoughts. Uh, I think I've got a weapon back here in the bedroom. Let me go get that. Listen, uh, when so, if somebody were to break in your home, uh, it's you have to handle that situation right there at that moment. Listen, why do we treat it any different? When when the devil shows up, when the enemy shows up at your house, you don't address it a day. You need you have to handle that issue right then. Right there, all right? So that's what I'm telling you. Uh, and he's telling you, how do you address it? You don't address it. You don't fight this battle uh, with the, the normal weapons of warfare. You fight these battles with the Lord on your side. And uh, you actually do it by doing the exact opposite of what the world would say. Rather than if somebody punches you, punch back, uh, you're going to turn the other cheek. You're going to say, uh, you're going to admit if you're wrong, you're going to do everything in your power to seek peace. Why? Because at the end of the day, those relationships are the most, the most important thing in your life. All right. So let's look at this. What do peacemakers do? All right. Now, dads, this is for you, but this is also for moms and everybody else in the family. If you want to be a peacemaker in your home, number one, and these are going to hurt. If, I, I'm, if I'm telling you I'm stepping on your toes, I'm stepping on my toes too. Number one, tell the truth in love. All right. Each of these has a scripture. The scripture on this one is Ephesians 4, 15. Let's look at that. It says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. All right? So it is a command that we are to tell the truth in love. Now, this goes back. Go, go back to the number one there. Uh, this goes back to that. Confront the issue, not the person. All right? When you're, when you're going to have these conversations in your home... Take time to cool off. Again, don't do anything in the heat of the battle. And then when you come back in, be sure that you're talking about the issue, not the person. You know what tends to happen when we get our feelings hurt? We tend to want to lash back. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so if my wife says something ugly to me or says something or kind of makes a snide remark to me, then what is my first natural inclination my flesh uh, want to do. It wants to do the same thing back to her. I want to hurt her feelings to the same degree and extent that she hurt my feelings. And I'll tell you this, in doing a lot of marriage counseling, uh, I've discovered adults become like children. We all become like children when we get angry. Because if somebody hurts me, what's my human, what's my flesh want to do? I want to hurt you. You threw a rock at me, I want to throw a rock back at you. You know, you threw sand in my face in the sandbox, I'm going to throw sand back in your face. And so, you know, that's immediately where we go to. And I always tell uh, adults in my marriage counseling, you two have got to grow up. <laughs> it's time to stop acting like children. And it's not about saying nasty things to each other. Because words are very difficult, aren't they? Words will hurt you and wound you, and you cannot take them back. Have you ever heard this expression, words are like toothpaste? Have you ever squeezed toothpaste out of the tube and then tried to put toothpaste back in the tube? It ain't going to happen, amen? So we must be very, very distinct. If I could tell you anything, any word of advice I've learned from doing the wrong thing, it's be careful with your words. Once words come out, you can't take them back, all right? Listen, uh, when you confront the issue, not the person, here's the way you need to do it. Be very positive towards that person. If I was talking to my wife, I would want to tell her all the great things about her that I appreciate. 
and I would want to tell her all the great things that she does, what a great wife she is, what a great mother to our kids she is, and then gently approach the issue and say, but here's something maybe you don't even realize you're doing, uh, you know, and it can be a number of things. And I just wrote a list here that maybe will hit home. Um, maybe somebody, one spouse would say this to another, or one kid would say this to a parent or anybody in the family. When you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. That's a, that's a valid statement. Uh, and many times what we can do is, again, we're all selfish and we all want to be heard. And in our desire to be heard, we talk over another person sometimes or we talk down to another person sometimes. And so this is a valid statement that might happen in a lot of homes. When you're not listening to me, I don't feel like you value me. Now, again, when you're confronting that issue, try to soften the blow first by saying, here's all the great things you do. You're a great husband, you're a great wife, you're great at these things, but here's something I've noticed, and maybe you don't even notice it, that you don't always listen to me, or you talk over me, and when you don't listen to me, it makes me feel like you don't value me, or value my opinion, all right? That's a proper way to address the issue, not, I hate it when you do this, you're such a jerk, you know? Uh, that's, that's the human flesh way that we want to go about it, all right? But understand, to be a peacemaker means I've got to watch my words, all right? Um, here's another one. When you raise your voice at me, I don't feel safe. Now, this one would probably more likely be uh, a woman saying to a man, hey, when things get heated, you tend to, you tend to yell and you tend to scream, and it scares me. It, uh, it doesn't make me feel safe, all right? Um, here, here's one that I think happens a lot. Because, why? Because I've probably done it myself, and I've probably seen in going out with other couples, I've seen other couples do it. You may not even notice with our friends the little jabs that you make at me, the little comments that you make at me, or the little snide remarks that make me feel dumb, or when you talk over me as if my opinion doesn't matter. All right? Now, I'm sad to tell you, I've made this mistake myself many times. All right? Uh, when we tend to want to, uh, and sometimes it's in an effort to be funny. You know, sarcasm is a wonderful thing until it's used on you. Uh, but sarcasm, listen, sarcasm was big in my family. And so uh, sometimes that was, if sarcasm was used as a weapon too. And in an effort to be funny, we'll make little sarcastic remarks about our spouse or about one of our kids. Listen, the worst thing you could do is to make a sarcastic, funny remark about, you know, how dumb your kid is or how you know, how ignorant this was of your wife to do something this way. And, uh, and sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it, but there again, in, in an effort to be funny, sometimes we will say things and they're very hurting things. And again, what I have found in doing a lot of marriage counseling is a lot of spouses remember that stuff and it wounds them and they just, they never address it, but they keep pushing it down, pushing it down until one day one spouse just blows up and says, I'm tired, I'm done with it, walks out the door and never comes back. And the other spouse is going, where did that come from? Well, it came from 20 years of little comments and 20 years of talking down to somebody. And, and I've seen it happen many, many times, unfortunately. So be very conscious of your words. Be very conscious of how you treat the other person, all right? Um, okay, uh, and then one more. 
uh, when you continue to check your phone at the table instead of look at me or talk to me, I feel devalued. Now, this has become a, a big one, obviously, in the last few years with the advent of our phones. So much of our lives now are, are wrapped up in this little device, aren't they? But guess what? As much as this is, uh, keeps us connected, I don't know that that's always a great thing. Sometimes we're too connected. And uh, we tried something at our house and uh, we try to do it. Uh, we don't all, we're not always successful at it, but we try to tell everybody when we sit down at the dinner table as a family, everybody put your phone over. We have a big bowl at the front door with all the keys in it. Everybody put your phones in the, in the key bowl and don't pick them up until after dinner's over. That way we know, and again, some, we remember to do it sometimes, sometimes we don't. But if we don't, invariably, what do we do? I look up and I'm ready to have a conversation with the rest of my family, and all of us are on our phones, you know, at the table. So what's the problem? The problem is we're all sitting down and we're all in the same room, but we're not present with each other. We're not connected to one another. We're not really, and we might as well be 100 miles away because we're not really there. So put the phone down. I'm preaching to everybody. If you're looking at me. Uh, put the phone down, be present, uh, because life is short, all right? Um, number two, I mentioned this earlier, apologize when you're wrong. You cannot be afraid to admit when you're wrong, all right? Scripture on this one's James 5.16 says this, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Confess your trespasses to one another. Now, a lot of people don't read that verse. Most of us say, well, yeah, I confess all my sins to God. This scripture right here says you're to take it one step further. Confess your sins to one another. Now, why is that? Because again, it's wonderful. God, if I, that's who I'm seeking forgiveness from. But many times when you tell another person, it, it makes you accountable. When you confess your sin to another person, you're basically saying, listen, here's an area I struggled in and I messed up. And uh, now it's out in the open. I've told you, and I need you to help me. I, I need you to kind of hold me accountable. So many times when we confess those sins to one another, we're having somebody help us and hold us accountable that we won't do it again. All right? So uh, always admit that you're wrong. Uh, admit to specific actions and attitudes with no excuses. Listen, we are the kings and queens of excuses, aren't we? Uh, we're really bad about saying, well, I know I did this, but... You know, here's the reason I did it. Listen, just admit you're wrong. When, when you're going to take the high road and say, I was wrong, don't add a but to it. <laughs> That's the worst thing you can do. Just admit you're wrong and just, uh, you know, just own it, if you will, and don't make any excuses. No added excuses, all right? Uh, the difference between remorse and repentance. Here's a big one. I'm sorry is for mistakes. Will you forgive me as for sin? So if you just simply made a mistake, uh, my wife, uh, it's her love language when I unload the dishwasher. And I know that. And so I try to keep up with the dishwasher. When it's time to unload the dishwasher, I try to stay up on that. But sometimes I get to doing something else or I'm watching TV. Probably that's more, more likely what it is. And I don't get to the dishwasher. And so that's a mistake when I say, Honey, I was supposed to empty the dishwasher. I didn't do it. Uh, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry is for mistakes. 
Will you forgive me is for sin. When we do something that wounds our spouse, when we do something that wounds our kids. And fathers, let me take just a moment here. There's a scripture that says that fathers, you do not need to exasperate your children. Can I say this? Uh, men, it's important to be a father to your children, but it's also important to try and have a loving relationship with them. Even as I discipline my children, I always try to stress to them that this is being done out of a heart of love. So your kids always need to know that you, you love them, and what you're trying to do is, uh, is out of a heart of love, all right? Um, so never, never forget to say you're sorry, say you're wrong, especially to your children. I think it goes a long way, and I think it went a long way with my kids when I would say, you know what? Dad messed up, or even this, dad overreacted. Uh, you, caught, you caught me off guard. What you did was wrong, but I got mad, and in the heat of the moment, um, I overreacted. You know, There's nothing wrong with that. To some parents, that may seem weak, but I'm here to tell you, I think that goes a long way with your kids. For your kids to see that you're human, for you to admit that you're human, to admit that this is hard, raising kids is hard, and you're going to find that out one day, uh, and I'm going to laugh at you. No, don't add that part. But, you know, it's hard, and we're trying to figure this out. I don't always do the right thing. I don't always handle it the right way. Okay? All right. And then here is number three, and this is the last one, and it may be the most important one. Forgive and let go. Now, I'm going to spend just a moment here because this is the hardest to talk about. Maybe you say, well, Mark, I can't. You don't understand. There's been something done to me, and I cannot forgive it, and I cannot let it go. And a lot of times what we're talking about is, uh, and these are, this is a very hard subject, but, you know, in, in marriages, in families, many times there might have been adultery happen. There might have been abuse happen, physical, um, uh, mental, emotional, even sexual abuse. And uh, many people would say, I cannot forgive it, and I cannot get past it, and I cannot let it go. And um, I want to give you a scripture that I think might give you some hope. I want to tell you, I can't go back and change the past. You can't go back and change the past. Even the person who did the wrong to you cannot go back and change the past. But there is a possibility to forgive it and let it go and move forward. And it's because of this scripture right here. Read Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Now I'm here to tell you today, I didn't personally nail the nails and hang God's son on the cross, but guess what? My sin did. And so my sin literally nailed his son to the cross. And uh, I have to live with that. And I have to know that my sin played a part in God the Father having to give his son and letting him suffer and die on that cross. And what this verse is saying is, listen, God the Father knows the hurt and the pain. God the Father knows what it is to be betrayed and have people turn their back on his son and have people spit in his face and, and have to just let it go. And still... You know, for Jesus to be on that cross and look down at the people who just done this to him and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this verse is saying, Christ has forgiven you. I don't know about you, I've got a lot of sin that's been forgiven. Amen? And I think most of us would have to say that. I have a lot of sin 
uh, that's been forgiven. And I must learn to forgive as Christ forgave me, all right? And so I know terrible things have happened. Can't go back and change the past. But guess what? Again, that bitterness that you're holding in your heart, that's stunning your growth. That is becoming a bitterness and a cancer in your heart. Um, And you can't change the past. All you can do is try to deal with it and forgive and let it go and be able to move forward, all right? And I would end by saying this. Your marriage and your family and every relationship involved with your family is worth it. As for, we go back to that other verse, and it says, as far as it depends on you. Well, guess what? It does depend on you. Be the bigger person. Be the one. You may say, well, I'm not going to go try to fix that relationship. They're the ones that did wrong. Listen, that's not what it's about. It's not about who's wrong and who's right. It's about that relationship is important. And as far as it depends on me, and it does, I need to try and go and mend that relationship. Now, you cannot control how that person responds to you. They may tell you to go jump in a lake or get out of here. I don't want to hear it. Uh, But guess what? You can look at God and say, you know what? I tried. I did. I tried to do my part. As far as it depends on you, try to be at peace with everyone. And so I want to encourage you today. If there is a broken relationship in your family, fathers especially, be the bigger man, be the leader, be the spiritual leader, be the priest in the home, and with everything in your power, try to mend those relationships in your home. If you have an issue with with your mom or dad, maybe you've not spoken to your mom and dad in years, maybe you've not spoken to a brother or sister in years because there's been wounds there, Uh, and as far as it depends on you, try everything you can to go and mend those relationships. For we shall be the children of God. Here's the last slide. You look like God to be the children of God. Remember our verse. Uh, it said uh, to be peacemakers, and you will be like the children of God. What does that mean? You look like God. You're made in his image, and you never look more like God than when you forgive and you make peace. Would you bow your heads with me? I always want to give an opportunity. If you're uh, looking at this video and you would say, Mark, I'm not sure what my relationship with the Lord is. I'm not sure if I were to die right now where I would spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And I always want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer. God is as close as a prayer away. It's not based on you or being a perfect person. It's based on Jesus dying on the cross. So if that's you, just pray this prayer today in your heart and your mind. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, wash all my sins in the blood of Jesus, and save me from myself. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that this message blessed you. If you prayed that prayer, please comment to somebody uh, wherever this video is. Please comment or uh, send a message or a text to somebody. Let them know that you made that decision. Just say, I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus in my heart. It's as simple as that. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your Father's Day. Fathers, have a great day. God bless you.